A reading from the letter of James. Every generous act of giving, with every perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves, and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The word of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Last week I suggested to you that we should become a community of monastic spies. People who, whose lives from a distance seem quite similar to the lives of the people around us, but upon closer inspection reveal a very different reason for being. And then this morning the lectionary brings us to the Epistle of James, which is a challenging book if ever there was one. The text that we had read for us has us entering here almost mid-thought into James's letter as he writes to the diaspora of Christian communities spread out around the Mediterranean. We've just missed James' statement that will later be clarified in stunning simplicity in the Didache, the teaching of the apostles. The Didache begins this way. There are two ways, one that leads to life and one that leads to death. In James' pen, it said this way, Blessed is the one who endures temptation, for they will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. But one is tempted by one's own desire, being lured and enticed by it, and then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved. There are two ways. 
There is a way that leads to life, and there is a way that leads to death. And one of these ways, the way of life, requires attending to the word. As we begin our reading in James, James tells us that all good things have been given to us from above, from the all-glorious Father of lights, meaning that God the Father is both the creator of all things, including the sun, moon, and stars, and also that he is the Father of light. He is the uncreated light that brings illumination to the human heart, the unchanging, unvarying, good Father. Evil desire gives birth to sin, James says. Sin gives birth to death. But the good Father, in fulfillment of his own purposes, gives birth to us by the word. The word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Most of us aren't farmers, but if you go to the farmer's market, perhaps you've experienced this. When the fruit that you really like Let's just say it's the hood strawberries because those are the most amazing things in the world. When those first come in, you get a taste of it. It's the first fruit of the thing that's going to come. You know pretty soon you're going to be having strawberry shortcake, etc. That's what God has given birth to the church to be. To be that first taste that the world could see what life is going to be like in the eschaton. Notice that the word of the gospel, the message of Christ's true kingship, his incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection and ascension is like a midwife that brings us into the life of God. What James is getting at is that the disequilibrium that we all feel within ourselves, right? We, ha we have these desires. And even if we know that they're wrong, our impulse is to give in, to give birth to sin and to remain in captivity to death. What is needed is a birth from above and a word from outside of ourselves that will come and midwife us into being as God's children. This birth is the work of God and it can come upon us as suddenly as our physical birth. As the word coaxes us out of the amniotic sleep of the world and into the life and light and freedom of the divine life. St. Paul said it to the Ephesians in a uh, different metaphor. He said that we are presented to Christ as a spotless bride by the washing with water through the word. The word of the gospel is mystically on display for us in the baptismal font which washes us and brings us out of death and into life as we hear. And so because it is through the word of God that we are brought into the new birth, we must be, as James says, quick to listen. We must make space for silent meditation upon the word of God, considering again the word who was made flesh and dwelt among us. We must push back against the tyranny of noise, which is the weapon of choice in a culture of death. If you've ever been to Las Vegas, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's there like in a, in a crucible, right? Everything there is designed to overwhelm your senses to help you forget what is real so that you'll what? Spend more money, right? It's to drag you deeper and deeper into the upside-down world of the casinos. Even outside on the strip, there is music blaring from outdoor speakers along the sidewalk. There are laser light shows 
and incredible fountains and all sorts of gaudy reproductions of real palaces and real wonders of the world. This is actually not too far from our daily reality. We, we live in a culture that is on sensory overload because we are trying to avoid the uncomfortable reality of our own deaths. And in doing so, we have cut ourselves off from being able to hear the life-giving word of God. We must cultivate silence, contemplation, meditation. We must be quick to listen to the word that brings us to life in God. The word is a midwife. The word is also a seed. As we know from Christ's teaching in the gospel, that the word of the gospel goes forth and is scattered upon all sorts of soils that are metaphors for human receptivity. Some humans receive the word and they retain it. Others, the word springs up and then the worries of the world choke it out. But here, in James, he is telling us to move past our passive receptivity, and he's telling us to get to work weeding and tending the garden of our interior life. None of us will be able to say in the judgment, well, you gave me the wrong soil. You didn't give me the right type of heart. No, we are called to be people who hear, people who garden, tend the soil of our hearts. Hearing and gardening overlap each other here, and they're on display for us, I think, just so perfectly in the life of Mary. Von Balthasar reminds us that the hearer par excellence is the virgin who became pregnant with the word and bears it as her son and the father's. As for herself, even as mother, she remains a handmaid, for the father alone is Lord, together with the son who is her life and who fashions it. She is the product of him who is the fruit of her womb. And she does not neglect to contemplate the growing child beside her, the youth, the man. With all her strength she can muster, she listens to this word as it grows more and more vast, divine, and seemingly alien. Its dimensions almost tear her asunder, yet it is for this, for everything, that she gave her consent right at the start. She attends to the word, even as it is her own son, growing and changing before her very eyes. She listens, and she tends the soil of her heart with silence and contemplation. It was Mary who welcomed the meekness of the implant, with meekness, the implanted word that has the power to save her soul. Mary had real choices. And she chose to cultivate that seed, that word implanted until it came to fruit. In an, anal in an analogous way, the church wombs Christ in the word of the gospel so that he may be born in every human heart. And each of us have real choices. We can choose to ignore the seed of the gospel and to allow the soil of our souls to become cluttered and overgrown with weeds, to become hardened and baked into unrepentance. Or we can situate ourselves beside streams of water, the life of the Spirit, 
the law of God, the life-giving word who brings refreshment to our parched soil. After all, happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seats of scornful. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on his law day and night, and they are like trees planted by streams of water bearing their fruit in due season with leaves that do not wither. Everything they do shall prosper. But the wicked are like chaff which the wind blows away. The word of God is a midwife. We must take time to hear so that we can be brought into life. The word of God is a seed We must work along with the Spirit to weed out all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and with meekness and attentiveness welcome the implanted word that has the power to save our souls. The word is a midwife and a seed and the word is also a mirror. The more that we peer into the perfect law of God, the more we are able to see ourselves clearly and to understand our place and purpose in his world. There's this great scene in an episode of Seinfeld where Elaine buys this dress because it looks so good on her at the store. But when she gets it home and tries it on for the gang, they're all kind of like, it sort of fits like a garbage bag. And so after some sleuthing, Elaine, in very Seinfeldian fashion, shrieks, skinny mirrors! Barney's has skinny mirrors! She realized that they were tricking her by not giving her the right reflection of how she actually looked. There are many methods of reflection in our culture, and many of them will allow you to see yourself. But just as many won't show you yourself completely accurately. These methods of reflection are like a funhouse. Some of them flatten you out, some of them stretch you out, some of them wiggle you around. The word of the gospel alone can accurately reflect to you who you are. It is only in the gospel that we are shown the depths of our brokenness, the tentacles of our selfishness, and the chains of our imprisonment to death. The word of the gospel does not shy away from these truths. But this same word also reflects to us the saints that God longs for us to become the righteousness that we have been given in Christ, for we are being conformed to his image. James tells us that those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, will be blessed for persevering as doers, not just hearers. Don't miss the counterintuitive approach to freedom here. Law constrains. It provides boundaries. But as a wise man once told me in much discipline, there is much freedom. This is what I was getting at last week. We tend to think that authenticity, that feeling it is true freedom, that only doing things because we want to or feel like it is the real freedom. But that's not real freedom because we're still held captive to our desires and feelings. It's just like the old addict quote, right? I'm not an addict. I can quit whenever I want. I just don't want to. Disciplining ourselves to cultivate silence, 
to weed out the noise from our lives and to sit before the word as before a mirror and allow the spirit to show us ourselves as we are and as we should be, this is freedom. You musicians, how are you able to sit down and play? Does it just happen because you waited until you really felt like playing? No, then you'd play piano like me. That's it, chopsticks, that's all I know. No, many of you, your parents probably signed you up for lessons and probably forced you to go. Either way, you had to discipline yourself to practice, probably in the same place, at the same time, every day, on a schedule. You had to learn posture and breathing and finger work. And now you probably don't consciously think about any of those things, though they may have felt restrictive and artificial at first. You've persevered in the discipline discipline of rhythm and constancy, and now you have the freedom to make beautiful music. This is what it means to discipline ourselves after the image of Christ. It's to take the time, even when it feels awkward and artificial and forced, to do the things over and over that we need to do in order to hear the word and be brought to life. I mentioned to you last week that we have been generously given a prayer chapel space in downtown Portland and that we're going to start reorienting our community life around the rhythms of prayer. This is not a gimmick. And it's not a 12-step program that is going to lead to immediate growth and noticeable change. It's going to be the imperceptible growth of a tree planted by streams of water. It's going to take time. We are not a factory farm. Okay? This is biomechanical, organic stuff happening here. If you haven't been praying the daily office consistently, it's really just praying scripture. It's teaching yourself how to breathe in and out the Word of God. It's sitting with it as a mirror and doing the slow, imperceptible work of growing into a tree planted by streams of water. We are going to be doing these disciplines as a community, and it's going to take time. It's going to force us to choose things in our schedule, in our bank accounts, in our family life. But it is all designed to get us to be set truly free into the freedom that God gives by hearing the word, by immersing ourselves in the word. The word is a midwife, a seed, a mirror, and as James says, it has the power to save our souls if we will allow it to seep into our soil and move us into action. Growing into a tree by a stream of water produces fruit for the nourishment of the hungry around you. It provides shade and refreshment for the vulnerable. As James so clearly says, true religion is to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to remain unstained by the worldly system that is imprisoned in sin and death. If we are not trees that are bearing fruit and have grown into a canopy of shade, what kind of sustenance and refreshment are we going to offer the widows and the orphans in our midst? If we are going to practice true religion, we must 
be formed by the word, finding freedom and discipline to do right in the eyes of God by providing for the vulnerable. Hear the words of the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel, to us. They were a rebellious people, faithless children, children who will not hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy illusions. Leave the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, thus says the Holy One of Israel, because you reject this word and put your trust in oppression and deceit and rely on them, therefore this iniquity shall become for you like a break in a high wall bulging out and about to collapse, whose crash comes suddenly in an instant. Its breaking is like that of a potter's vessel that is smashed so ruthlessly that among its fragments not a shirt is found for taking fire from the hearth or dipping water out of the cistern. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you refused and said, no, we will flee upon horses, therefore you shall flee. We will ride upon swift steeds, therefore your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, at the threat of five you shall flee until you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.